0: Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. And welcome back to another edition of Unity Talks Podcast. I'm your host, David Cathy, where we talk to leaders all across DFW in accounting, finance, tax, information technologies, field that we, fields that we focus in from Unity Search, which is our recruiting and staffing firm. And today we are talking all things success with our guest, Elizabeth Raich. Elizabeth, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. It's so nice to be here. I appreciate the invite.
0: Oh, man, I am so excited. So um, Elizabeth is the executive VP and CFO of DART. So, you know, for anybody who has utilized DART to get to and from jobs or going down to the fair, you know, or something like that, which is very common.
1: Absolutely. Our biggest day of the year is fair day, 100,000 riders this year. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding at all. It's the best way to get to the state fair. And, and to many other things. W- what about,
0: so when did the one, do you, I'm gonna put you on the spot. We didn't even rehearse this. This is live <laughs> and in action. So the one in Carrollton, like when did that open compared to the one over here off of 75?
1: So, stations began to open in 1996, train stations, but DART is actually celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. So DART has been providing mobility services in the region for 40 years, and we started with the bus service, and because that's of course the easiest to implement, doesn't require those big capital build-outs, but uh, we are now almost finished completely building out the system. The Silver Line across the northern part of our service area will connect Plano in the east to DFW Airport, and that will be the last main major capital expansion that we've got. And we're really pivoting and we're focused now on operating, running the best service we can, getting people uh, places they need to go for either work or for shopping or whatever it may be, entertainment. And uh, we're focused on security and cleanliness and reliability on serving our riders and providing an excellent rider experience.
0: Oh my gosh, that's awesome! So. I start off the show and I'm like, why don't you give us a two-minute infomercial? I didn't even set you up for that. You went right into it. Like, you're so far ahead of the game. So I love that. Here's what's so cool about that. So I remember uh, flying into Minneapolis, Minnesota, and it was so convenient because you fly into Minneapolis, Minnesota, you get off the uh, out of the airport and or in the airport, and you're right on their transit system. And it just it goes up and down that line, and you get off at any one of your stations and so being able to get this, uh, get you all the way to DFW. That's right. That's and you fantastic. can already
1: get to DFW from downtown. This though will come across the Northern part of the service area. So it'll be two different ways to get to DFW airport. And yes, you can get off your plane, get right onto Dart, get downtown, or get across the Northern area.
0: Which serves me. And that's what I'm interested <laughs> in. <laughs> so we'll thank you again so much. So here's what we are in for today. Um, as I'm talking to Elizabeth, She's like, "Man, well, you know, I've kind of I've got these 10 tips for success." And I'm like, "Well, let me see them cuz everybody's interested in success. If you're listening to this podcast, you're interested in success." And so she sends them to me and I'm like, "Love them. This is what we're doing. We're going straight through it. These are great topics. But before we get to it, so let's let's Let the audience know who you are a little bit, Mm -hmm. where you're from, all that good stuff. And you kind of were from all over, mostly in Oklahoma.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: So tell us a little bit about (laughs) mom, dad, and how in the world did you land in Washington, D.C. for your education?
1: Well, yes, born and raised in Oklahoma. I lived, uh, I was born in Norman, grew up in Miami, went from the fourth grade through high school in Oklahoma City, also lived in Clinton, Tulsa, Bartlesville, and Ramona. And uh, when I wanted to uh, uh, go to college, I thought, boy, I'm going to go somewhere other than Oklahoma. (laughs) And so I went to Washington, D.C. But what really drove me was, first of all, I'll say the reason we moved around so much is my dad was a Methodist minister. And um, so he served churches all over the state. Mm. His dad was a a Methodist minister in the state of Oklahoma. So it was sort of a family job for them and um, a calling. And so that's why I got to experience so much of the state. And it's also why I have such a, an interest in community service and in civic life and in making sure I leave the world a better place than I found it. And that's what drove me to go to Washington, D.C. where I studied at American University. I studied um, International Studies and in Government for undergrad but then got a master's in public administration. I wanted to serve my community.
0: Yeah. And what better job to do that in than the role that you're in right now. It's fantastic. Absolutely. I yes. love that. Okay. We got a lot to cover. That's right. Because we got 10 tips. So, and we got 30 minutes. So we got to fire through these. So I'm just going to go through them. I'm going right. to read them. You give us your little spill. We maybe riff on it a little bit more, we'll sure. move right on to the next one. So this is heavy note taking time. So get your pens and <laughs> paper out so that you can take some notes because she's got a lot of gold. Um, Number one, tip number one, be successful by finding your niche or niche. Niche, niche, (laughs) not sure which one. I think one's Europe and one's American. Uh, What are you good at doing? What do you mean?
1: Well, what I mean is this is why I don't play professional tennis. I tell people, you know, I have a cute outfit. I've got a racket. I have balls. They all match. They're all have some pink in them. And still I go out there and, you know, I'm just not great. And I'm also not interested enough to spend as many hours as it would take to become a really good player. And I don't have the natural inclination for it. So there are reasons I don't play professional tennis, Um, just like there are reasons that I don't do other things. And so what are you good at? What do you want to do? What excites you? Um, And so I tell people focus first on the mission of the organization and you don't have to be in public service to have a mission focused organization and something that you can be proud of at the end of the day. And so find what gives you joy and what gives you purpose um, by looking at the mission of the organization. And then you've got to have the proper skills. So what are you doing for continual learning? What are you doing for your education? What are you doing for certifications? Make sure you have the proper skills. And then you've got to engage in continual learning. Mm -hmm. It doesn't end when you get the first job. You've got to keep going. And then I say, enjoy yourself. We are at work 40 or more hours a week, most of us. You may as well have a good time while you're doing it.
0: Amen. Amen. Here are my two things on that, because that was great. My two things. Number one, Guy Ferreira. Hey, Guy. He was (laughs) my boss years ago when I was at Sprint, and I was still in a pricing manager role. And he said, David, one of the best things you can do. Is be the expert at sprint at something. Mm-hmm. You are the go-to guy. So for me at the time was Excel. And I became the expert. Anybody needed anything built out in Excel, any type of model, any, I was the guy. And that served me so well. I niched down in Excel. The second thing, develop what you talked about, you know, developing your skill and all that other. So um, I was just listening to uh, someone today talk about it. It's like when you are are successful, the people who have the most success, they've never arrived. They're still waiting to arrive Mm -hmm. because they're constantly and continually seeking to arrive. Mm -hmm. And they know they're never going to get it, but it's that hot and heavy pursuit of it. And I thought that was so good.
1: That's exactly right. You've got to listen to this kind of podcast. You've got to read books. You've got to do a whole lot of things. Stay up in your field. Um, I choose a personal development uh, goal each year. Uh, I'm going to learn more about X, Y, and Z. So this year is my year for data analytics. I just attended a class on data analytics and AI and machine learning. It's, it hurt. It was painful. Uh, I, th- I had to think a lot. My brain was tired, but it's really good for me.
0: Ah, Awesome. Number two. Eighty percent of success is showing up, Woody Allen.
1: Be there, and you know, I, I wrote this set of tips before the hybrid work environment was really ingrained. Um, but I am a strong believer that you have to be there. And when I mentor folks, I talk about the fact that yes, a hundred percent remote job may be what some people need. It may be what a lot of people want. But there is something about being there, uh, listening to colleagues. Knowing uh, things that are happening. There are conversations that occur that don't uh, get scheduled Mm -hmm. as a Teams or a Zoom meeting on the calendar. Um, And then you gotta be there because uh, things will uh, happen and assignments will be given. And if you're not there, uh, you're not going to get those assignments.
0: Yeah, be there, be there on time. Yes. Be there on time. If there's a place you need to be, be there on time. So, (laughs) my dad, for a short period of time, he is a mechanical engineer. And he took the sales job for a short period of time. He was working out of the house. And, you know, the commute is what happened to people from COVID. Bedroom to office. That's right. Now, his office was outside of the bedroom, which was good. Because when your office is your bedroom, which would have been so hard, it's like, when do you flip that switch of being there? Because this is your sleeping area and this is your eating area. You you need your working area. You need your... uh, Watching TV, relaxing area. So mm-hmm. he he would move from the bedroom to the office, and he would come in and his khakis and a polo. And he's working. I'm like, Dad, why are you wearing khakis and a polo? <laughs> and he goes, I need to flip the switch.
1: That's right. To get
0: my mind. I needed to show up. And this is how I show up to turn my mind into my work, not into my lazy bedroom mind.
1: That's right. Anyways. Yeah. Love
0: it. Number three. Do something.
1: Useful. Yes. Do something useful. Um, Just being busy is not uh, something useful. And so I talk with folks who I'm mentoring um, who say, you know, I'm there for a lot of hours or I'm working really, really, really hard. And my question to them is, what are you doing that's achieving a result? What is it that's useful? And so if you don't know what that is, if you're early in your career, maybe you're in a new job, ask. Ask what it is. Find things. Um, invent things. Um, innovate. Uh, think through things. Um, find a way to be useful. Um, the biggest one I could say, particularly if you have a boss, which I think we all do, is anticipate. What do they need? Um, how can you be helpful to them? If you can anticipate those needs and be ahead of them, that is useful. Mm. Be intentional. You you really have to um, think through what you're going to do and. Make a plan to get there. I'm a big believer in intentionality for a, a career. And when you're doing something, um, I, I think that uh, you've got to plan it out. Mm-hmm. Um, focus on the mission. You've got something to achieve. What is it that your, your organization has in terms of their goals? And make sure that you're aligning with those and that you're focused on those and that you're helping them achieve those. And then finally, finish on time uh, for your work to be useful. I had a boss one time who said to me, Elizabeth, you're a perfectionist. And that's great and your work is always really, really good, but you've got to be done in time for it to be useful. So if you're a perfectionist like I am, every now and then just back off and realize that maybe it doesn't have to be absolutely perfect, but it does have to be finished on time.
0: Yeah, that's really, really good. Okay, so here are my thoughts on that. Number one, I told you this right before we started, Arnold Schwarzenegger just has this book that came out and it was Be Useful. And if you remember his Netflix documentary that just came out, and if you haven't watched it, go watch it. I mean, that was a stop-down moment for me where he said that his mom just told him, the kids running around the house, like, just be useful. Like, do something productive. You know, don't just waste your time. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh, okay. Uh, Arnold is copying you.
1: (laughs) That's right. That's
0: right. I mean, that was (laughs) the first thought I had. He was copying you. The second thing that I thought um, was so good is about that, being busy does not always mean real work. That's right. And here- so,
1: if you're if you're rowing a boat and you're just flailing around, your boat's not going anywhere. You have to be intentional. You have to row with purpose. The strokes have to count, is what the quote is. And so, being busy is not the end game.
0: I love that. So, because here's what happens: we got a lot of work to do at work, and from our standpoint, from from what we do, recruiters. Um, there's so much administrative type things you're coordinating interviews and you're entering your information into the system and I know for me when I was doing that I, I did not like doing that stuff because I wanted to be on the phone with my clients and my candidates building relationships right which is closer to revenue generating items for our industry or other people They like all of the uh, administrative stuff because it makes them feel like they're useful because it's accomplishing tasks, but it's not close to revenue generating items, right? And you can find that whether you're in accounting, whether you're in tax, whether you're in information technology, whether you're in sales. You can get sucked into doing all these things that make you feel good because you're accomplishing stuff. But it's not serving the way the organization should be served for the position that you are in in that moment.
1: That's right. And it's one of the reasons um, I do some work from home. At night or at other other times is because I have a little bit of trouble focusing when my inbox is full and I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Maybe too many emails, too many workflows to process. I will do those when I can, you know, bang them out quickly. Maybe while watching an episode of The Great British Baking Show or something like that, (laughs) um, so that I can clear the plate. So that when I'm at work, I'm focused. And I'm ready to get things done that are that are actually the business.
0: Love that. Love that. Okay. Number four, if you're accounting, number four, spend some time on the small stuff. Spend some time. That's right. On the small stuff.
1: That's right. You know, When you are uh, working through um, an organization, uh, um, trying to advance your career, when you're a leader, you cannot spend all of your time on the small stuff. Because you need to focus on the big picture. You've got to focus on what the goal is. How do you get to the result? It's like what we just talked about uh, with email and sorting through it. Um, Don't just focus on all of that. You've got to focus on what matters. At the same time, if you don't file your timesheet and don't get paid, if you don't uh, do some of those things, if you don't return calls, you you will be known as the person who's not reliable on those kinds of things. It's really important to spend some time on the small stuff and make sure that you're meeting your needs for your colleagues and for your organization and you're not that person that everyone always has to chase. Mm.
0: Okay, okay, this is really good. So you went different there and I wasn't expecting it and that is really good. I'm gonna tell you what I was expecting okay. and I'd love to hear your feedback real quick. So have you heard of strength finders? Yes. Okay, so the strength finders is, you know, these are your strengths, mm-hmm. double down on your strengths mm-hmm. That means these are your weaknesses, and oftentimes in life, we always hear like, people spend all this time working on their weaknesses instead of accentuating what they're great at. And so when I read that, I thought, you know, spend some time on the small stuff. I read, that's right, like, you do have weaknesses, we all do, I've got loads of them, and I do need to spend some time on those weaknesses because you always want to get better at them, but I want to spend a lot of time making my strengths even stronger to where I'm known as the guy that has the great Excel skills at sprint or something like that.
1: And I've taken Strengths Finders, I've read both books and all of that. And I agree. Focus on your strengths. That's what I do. I always tell people the key to success is don't do things you're bad at, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, just joking. But, um, but if you have, in my view, if you have two particular weaknesses – you really have to focus on those, and that's what I advise people. Those are integrity and interpersonal skills. So let me say what I mean by that. Integrity is a word we all throw around. Um, we think we know what it means, and maybe we have feelings about what it means. And so if we're told we may not have integrity, maybe we think, oh, my goodness, you know, people don't like me, or they think I'm dishonest, or I'm a fraud, or whatever it may be. That isn't what it means in the workplace. Integrity in the workplace, really, if you drill down, comes down to do people trust you? And whether they trust you or not depends on whether you meet your commitments. So early in my career, I had some feedback in a 360-degree survey that said I, was, I lacked integrity. And it was devastating. Crushing. Crushing. But when I dug in, what was happening was I was committing to a lot of things and I was not meeting my commitments. I couldn't get it all done. Um, and I needed to say no to some things. I needed to make sure that what I said I could do, I did, and that I lived up to my word in that way. That was integrity in a professional world and in my organization, and I had to learn that. If I say I'm going to send an email, make a phone call, help you out in some way, I have to follow through. The second one is interpersonal skills. If you are weak in interpersonal skills, you've really got to work on that. And I do not mean being nice in the sandbox, although yes, you have to you know share the truck. But I, what I mean is you've got to be able to communicate with people. You've got to be able to share, particularly in the world of finance, complex technical information in a way that non-finance people can understand. And if you cannot write or do visuals or speak in a way that others who don't do what you do every day can understand, then you are uh, not going to be as successful. The other thing about interpersonal skills is, is conflict. If you want to avoid it, Um, or if you, um, just, just don't like it. I mean, we, none of us like it, but you only get good at it by doing it. And we all have conflicts every day. I'm not suggesting you become a a jerk and suddenly you have a lot of conflicts. What I'm saying is that we have disagreements. We have professional disagreements in the office and you've got to go talk with people. You just have to get over the fear that there might be a conflict and go talk with people. So those are the weaknesses that I tell people you have to work through.
0: And that Elizabeth is gold right there. So Charlie Munger just passed away. And if you don't know who Charlie Munger is, please look up Charlie Munger, fantastic. And this is what he says. He says, I never sought out positive things happening in the organization. They're gonna get recognized, they're positive, and they're gonna work themselves out. There's really nothing to work out. I sought out discord, I sought out issues, and I learned to train myself to run and cherish those. Because that's what makes the organization better that's is right. seeking out those. That's right. Love that. Okay. Number five, if, for those that are keeping score at home, <laughs> never wing it.
1: <laughs> prepare for everything. Prepare, prepare, prepare. When you wing it, you may say something you don't mean to say. You may say something that's inaccurate. You may ramble. You may take too long uh, to talk about what you're, you're uh, wanting to share. So don't wing it. Plan for it. Prepare for it. Um, I, you know, my husband is really great sitting down with me when I know I've got a tough conversation coming up, and we will play out every possible iteration of that conversation so that I'm ready to respond in a way that isn't overly emotional, that is more rational. Particularly if it's going to be difficult, I want to have thought through those things. I mean, maybe you're better than I am at just you know being spot on with every comment you make in the fly, but I that is not me. And and uh, so I tell people, don't wing it, especially if you're going to have a conversation with your boss, if you're making an important pitch, if you are trying to convince someone of something, um, be persuasive. You need to prepare and you need to be succinct, but but make sure that you're persuasive.
0: Absolutely. Could not agree more. And if you don't have a great husband or a <laughs> wife that's willing to sit there and listen to it, boyfriend, girlfriend, friend, whatever, flip the mirror down or look in your review mirror or flip the visor down and look at the mirror and just look at yourself and talk to yourself, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's your audience right there and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. So that's great advice. Number six, No more people. Develop a network of mentors and colleagues.
1: Sorry to say know more people. And that doesn't mean (laughs) N-O. You know, you have to know more people. Um, I'm an introvert. I'm a, and during COVID I learned I'm a pretty extreme introvert. Uh, But professionally, no one would know it because I need to be an extrovert. I need to bring those qualities out at work in order to be successful. I would not be successful were it not for the teams that I work with. And I have got to know those folks, know who I can call on, count on, who should call on me and should count on me as well. Um, it's it's how we get things done. Um, I like with my, uh, switching into leadership just a little bit, with my teams, to share as much information as possible. It doesn't have to be directly related to their job because then they will have broader perspective. The same comes from knowing more people. The more that you know and the more that you understand about your organization, the more that you're interested in the history of your organization, the goals, the future plans, all of those pieces will help you be more successful at work.
0: Yeah, you hear it so many times. It's about who you know. It's about who you know. And you're not going to know anybody if you don't put yourself in a situation to know someone. That's right. That can move your f- career forward, that can move your company forward, that can move um, your own life forward by a mentor or something like that. So yes. that causes you to be uncomfortable. Most people, there, there is a greater number of people who are uncomfortable in putting themselves out there than who are super comfortable with it and i just had this conversation with a colleague of mine this week where it's like you know we need to get out in in the environment to just learn more people we need to get involved in an information technology society we need to get involved in meeting finance and accounting and human resources people you know we need to put ourselves in those situations and you'll make these great life i know i have lifelong connections with people so absolutely Um, I love these next two. They go hand in hand. I spoiled the surprise by saying that, but these two are fantastic. I've talked a lot about this recently with our teams. Be indispensable.
1: That's right. If you have got to, like you did with Excel, find a skill, find a niche, find something, uh, for which you can be the go-to person. Um, your boss will appreciate that. Your colleagues will appreciate that. You will become known for it. You can develop expertise. And that doesn't mean that, that if you're the type of person who wants to try a whole bunch of different things, maybe you're not sure of your path, um, certainly go through those things. But you've still got to be the go-to person. While you are doing that, be present in that job. Be present with those duties. Figure out how you can be indispensable to others. Um, that is going to be you know, the, the key to your success is people know that when X, Y, and Z comes up, that's who I go to.
0: So a couple of episodes ago, uh, Ron Arrington sat in that chair, CFO. If you haven't looked at that or watched that episode or listened to it, you should go back. I asked him towards the end, what was one of the number one things that he feels like people should do as they are climbing in their career in the organization? And he said, find a way to be indispensable. And I've been talking about that since because it was such great advice. And what's so cool about it is it leads us right into number eight, be dispensable.
1: That's right. If you are indispensable and nobody else can do what you do, what, you know, who's going to promote you? Um, you know, they're going to be afraid, perhaps, that they won't have anyone to do what you do. And so um, one way to avoid that, now listen, let me tell you, good leaders, good bosses won't necessarily hold you back for that reason. But the way that you can help them be more comfortable and the way that you can ensure that that's the case is to become indispensable. So have you written a training manual? Have you talked to others? Have you shared your knowledge? Have you left behind a job book that says, these are my procedures, this is what I do, here's where I need to go? That is how you become indispensable. Then others are more comfortable to promote you or perhaps to recommend you for a job, even if it's outside of your current organization being indispensable is what moves you on to the next thing
0: it absolutely does and you stole my thunder there like there's so many different ways to be dispensable if to be both and on the dispensable side it's what you just said it's like have you written your process down and refined that process do you have an SOP for what you do you are doing or your department is doing do you have your own methodology in You know, we all have different DNA. We are all unique. We are all one in a million. And we are all so unique. So the way I have done my job, sure, if I'm an accountant or a financial analyst, some of the things that you and I do are going to be the same. But the way you get to an answer might be just slightly different than the way I get to an answer. And they're both right. And so a lot of times when I think about training people um, I think about talking to them and going, Hey, look, these are the steps that you need to incorporate, but since you're so different than I am and we're wired differently, you need to create the way that you're going to work through those steps. You create your own personal, and you're going to memorize that better your own procedures, but document it, get it down so that you can hand it off to the next person. They may not copy it,
1: That's right. but they're going
0: to leverage it and they're going to come up with their own way right
1: absolutely and if you're a new employee and someone actually provides that to you how helpful is that oh my you gosh. know where to start and then absolutely be c- be creative to the extent your job Allows you to be creative. I mean, maybe in accounting, we still want everything to be down to the penny and correct. Yes. Um so it's a different kind of creativity, but figure it out, but having a starting place, I mean, wouldn't you love it if every job you went into had some place to start?
0: And you leave the job better than what you got. That's it. right. So you take that document from them and you're like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. And then you apply the way your brain thinks through that That's information, right. and then you make it ten times better and you pass it to you pay it forward by passing it to the next person who takes that job. And then if you could just imagine just passing notes in your career, the person up here passes you how they did their job, you take it, make it better, you pass yours down to the next person. Like what a symbiotic work organization that would be.
1: Absolutely. And it happens um, or happened at least in the political world for a very long time. You know, that's what a presidential transition is it is even if there are two different parties, you're transitioning between one administration to the next and you're sharing information. And yes, they may do it differently, absolutely. But there is a lot of information that needs to be shared. And we hear about you know, the outgoing president leaving a handwritten note in the desk in the mm-hmm. Oval Office for their successor. And again, you don't have to be on the same side, et cetera, but you can uh, transition uh, with grace and with style and, uh, and in a way that's helpful.
0: Yeah. And that's what the president of an organization or a leader, and you don't have to have the title president. That's right. To be a leader. Every single person is a leader and you approach it with grace, that type of style. So we have two more and we're flying through these. Mm -hmm. This has been fantastic. Okay. Number nine, seize the opportunity.
1: That's right. You don't get a lot of chances to say no. You just don't. So if there is an opportunity that presents itself, really consider before saying no. Um, certainly there are things that we can't all do. Uh, we all have our own lives. We have you know, things that, that we need to handle in our, our personal life, but uh, it may be to travel. It may be to try a new assignment. It may be to take on a risky assignment uh, for you professionally. Maybe it's something you haven't done before. Uh, it may be intimidating. Maybe something you have to work really, really hard at but be careful to say uh, yes as much as you possibly can Mm. because that is uh, going to tell your boss and others in the organization that you can be counted on, um, that you're interested. And if you say no too many times, people will stop asking. Mm. So you've got to seize that opportunity. With the chance you've been given, you have got to move forward. You've got to do the best you can.
0: Even when they almost seem impossible, like, oh, my gosh, that seems impossible. Be the person that steps up to the plate. Be the person to take charge. You have a quote here. It's a carpe diem, right? So you have a quote here, and it's uh, there's a chip on my shoulder. And we're not going to go through the whole thing. You can sing it for me. No, it's it's from a musical. I'm not. Listen. (laughs) We everybody would turn the radio (laughs) off. Everybody would just close their phones. It would be awful.
1: That's right.
0: There's a chip on my. What does that mean to you? There's a chip on my shoulder.
1: Um. So I love – first of all, I love Broadway, um, and um, I love I love musicals. So this is from Legally Blonde, the musical. There's a chip on my shoulder, and it's big as a boulder. And with the chance I've been given, I'm going to be driven. And she says some other things. And so – I thought
0: we were going to get a uh, live <laughs> uh, serenade here. With yeah, this. No, okay. no,
1: no. Okay. <laughs> Same thing. You don't need me to sing. Yeah. Um, so what does that mean? It means – my chip on my shoulder is, you know what? I'm going to be the best I can be. Uh, when I started my career – Uh, there were not a lot of women executives, for example, in the federal government. And so my chip was, you know what, I am going to do the best I can to promote women um, and to be an example for others to follow. And I'm going to smash through whatever I can in terms of achievements or in terms of um, becoming an executive in the organization because I wanted to prove that it can be done. I thought I owed it to my sex. And I know that sounds very passionate, Mm. but I really felt like I was at a moment in my early career where things were changing. And I wanted to be part of that positive change for women in the workplace. So for example, that was one of my early chips on my shoulder.
0: Yeah. I, so for those that know me and Rebecca's sitting over there and she's just gonna be like, yeah, that's David. She even said it already today, like I use that chip on my I, I have this weird way of turning everything as a chip on my even if it was not meant negative. I'm like, I'll I'll turn it into a chip on my shoulder to use it as fuel. And I kind of have this thing, it's three words, it's just watch me. Like if you think it can't be done, just watch me. If the odds are stacked against me, just watch me. Everything is a just watch me, right? And that I use that for fuel to carpe diem, seize opportunity that's staring at me in the face.
1: Absolutely, and I will very often listen to this song on the way into the office if I know I've got a, a tough day. Maybe I'm um, briefing the board or, or whatever it may be, and I need to get motivated. I use this and, uh, and I sing at the top of my lungs going down the tollway in the car and it works yeah. um, because then I'm energized for the day I and it. I use it as fuel. Absolutely. I love that.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I hopefully drive with you on the tollway and I'm going to be like, there's Elizabeth singing at the top of her lungs." <laughs> That's right. I want that to happen one day. And we've come to the last one here. Number 10, stay positive. How you act matters.
1: Absolutely. When you walk through the office, uh, in the morning or whenever it may be, people are paying attention to you and they are noting what you look like. They're noting the expression on your face, whether you're walking quickly, whether you're walking slowly. And so people are watching and particularly as a leader, um, but certainly too as as you're building your career and becoming successful, um, how you act really matters. Not just um, in um, the situation of walking through the office and people are making assumptions about why you may be in a bad mood. And they guarantee you, I I guarantee you, they probably think it's because of something they did versus the fact that you maybe, um, you know, had someone cut you off in traffic. Mm. And so um, that matters. But then be positive. The workplace is a tough place, and so you have got to approach things positively. The only way we're gonna get through is um, through being resilient. You know, I I tell my son all the time, life is not about what gets you down, it's about how you get back up. And that takes a degree of positivity. Teams want to see it, your boss wants to see it. We all want to see that we're moving in the same direction, we're gonna get there. And so I really think positivity helps. And you know what, sometimes um, it helps me too. Maybe I'm being positive just because I'm—I I, that's my habit and I know I need to do it. And then it ends up cheering me up too.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, positivity can be a placebo effect. Yes. You know, where you just think, oh, man, this is doing so much for me. And you were doing it for others. And next thing you know, you feel positive. Um, you are so right about, like, I have focused face. <laughs> so it's like I'm dialed in, I'm focused, I need to go. And I'm staring at my computer or I'm doing whatever. And I know in the past people have been like, man, is he upset at me? Like he's, and it's not, mm-hmm. I am just like, I need to accomplish something. You know, we, we need to get something done here. And so I call it focus face, right? Absolutely. And I'm so, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, you know, our, other people call it RBF, you know? <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, David, you need to turn that corner in your mind. I know you're not upset. They don't know that you're not upset. And so, and that can be really hard to do because you got to be good at flipping all these switches just like that.
1: That's right. And I actually tell my teams when I start work with them that I have a thinking face and it looks like a mad face, scrunch up, but I'm deep in thought. And it may be while we're in conversation or in a meeting and I will get deep in thought. I am not angry at you. I'm not upset. I'm not thinking you're wrong. Um, I'm just thinking. And yeah. so I will explain it to people because I know that it is so natural for me to do it that I'm not going to be able to keep that fl- switch from flipping.
0: <laughs> you know what You know what mine is, Elizabeth, is I am so comfortable sitting with my arms crossed. I am so comfortable. Like, I don't know why, but that's what- – and I can find myself – you know, sitting across the table with someone, I'm like, no, open your arms up because they're going to think that you're closed mm-hmm. off, you know, because people read body language and I'm That's like, right. and, I, and the next thing you know, I find myself like, and I'm like, no, David, open it up, make eye contact with them, you know, try not to have focused face or thinking face where you're all scrunched. And I'm consciously, while I'm listening to them, talking myself through these things because I don't want them to read anything incorrectly. hmm so that's so challenging to do. That may be one of the hardest ones for me right there I is think so. your your mannerisms and your actions.
1: Well, absolutely. And your team takes their cues from you and and your colleagues do um, if you're a single contributor. And so they may they probably don't know everything going on in your head. They don't know how hard it was to finish that assignment or all the things that went wrong. Don't undercut yourself by saying all of it being negative about anything, uh, diminishing your accomplishment. Just be positive, move forward. Chances are they really didn't know that X, Y, and Z about that particular thing went wrong. And so another reason to be positive is that um, you don't want to undercut yourself.
0: Mm, Yes. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. What is the one that you feel you need the most work at? Mm. And what is the one that you just like the most?
1: (laughs) What do I need the most work at? Oh, goodness. Um, I still think I need the most work at Never Wing It. Mm. I had a meeting the other day, and um, it was the first time I had heard something, and I was surprised, and I wasn't happy. And um, I said, you know, what was in my mind, right? And then I thought later, I really should have stopped. I should have stayed silent. I should have thought for a little bit longer. I should have thought through what I was going to say. And so the never wing it, the, you know, I I couldn't have planned for it. I didn't know it was coming. It was a total surprise. But in the moment, I also need to remember to pause, perhaps not even say anything right then and just listen and then perhaps come back to it.
0: So good. Yes. Okay. And which one do you like the most?
1: I like seize opportunity. I mean, that's a big one. I have um, had a lot of success in my career just because I've said yes. Um, Someone's asked me to do something hard. I had a boss early on in my career who would give us assignments to the the newbies in the office, and he never followed up on those assignments. He waited to see who would come back to him with an answer or a, a solution or whatever it might be. I came back to him every time with a well-thought-out, completed staff work product that would um, lay out the issue, make a recommendation, or give him options, or whatever it might be, or just be a, you know, a good answer to the question. I think I might have been one of the very few people who did that. He was always surprised, but guess who was my biggest sponsor and supporter?
0: Bingo. Yeah, yeah. And he would lean on you. That's right. right? We're not going to go into lean on me. We're not going <laughs> to sing that song. Okay. So those were yours. Those were great. Seize opportunity, never wing it. And as we wrap up, I'm going to give you mine. Okay. Mine is seize opportunity. I just, I love the See, I mean, I just, I, we're, we're salespeople in what we do and mm-hmm. my goodness, you have to seize opportunity and you have so many emotions holding you back and they're mostly created in your head, you know? And so you have to really turn yourself talk around and encourage yourself. And so um, to those that can do that, I always, you know, be a person of action, you know, just seize the opportunity. Um, And uh, I'm gonna go with number 10, I'm picking our last two here, which is stay positive, how you act matters, because I really do think uh, people read into other people's actions or other people's words so much. And like you said a few minutes ago, they don't know the night you had or the project you did. They're just seeing you at face value and they're seeing something that they think, oh my gosh, I did something or he's upset at us or, oh my gosh, watch out for her today. And you don't want that to uh, permeate your organization. That's and right. that is that is probably the one that I would have to work on the most, Is that one. So... Ladies and gentlemen, that
1: was fun. Elizabeth Rach. You.
0: thank you so much for joining us. This was fantastic. I love this. This was quick, rapid fire. This was so good. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: My pleasure. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And for our listeners, thank you so much every single time that you join us. One of these podcasts come out every other week, and uh, we hope you enjoy them as much as I do. And we hope that you get so much out of them from our guests like Elizabeth Rage. And until next time. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.